Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the second in this series of podcasts looking at the future of human and social services. In the previous podcast, you, you heard myself and a colleague of mine, Michael Capus, discuss some of the trends and issues that we've seen over the last 12 months. Today, we have a very special guest joining us uh, who can speak firsthand to some of these issues, uh, how they've dealt with them and how their organisation has uh, implemented new ways of working in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'd like to welcome Catherine Parsonage to this podcast. Catherine is the CEO for Toronto Foundation for Student Success. Uh, Catherine, welcome. I hope you are safe and well on this, what is a very snowy day today, actually. Hello there. Um, Catherine, can you just give everybody an overview of yourself and your organisation, what you do and how you do it. The Toronto Foundation for Student Success exists to support vulnerable children and children that are at risk and ensure that they succeed in school because we know that um, education uh, leads to new pathways and new opportunities for children. We focus our supports on things outside the classroom. For example, a hungry child cannot learn, so we provide nutritious meals at school for children. A child that can't see the blackboard and doesn't have a pair of glasses, cannot learn. Uh, a child that needs extra tutoring and homework help um, that they may not have at home. A child that doesn't have a warm winter coat on a day like today. All of these things are barriers to learning and we believe that if, that if we support children and youth and we lift them up and make, enable them to jump over and to succeed, it, it will radically change the direction of their lives. Thanks, Catherine. And, and obviously COVID-19 has had a significant impact on children in school, you know, here in Ontario. Uh, my kids just went back last Tuesday uh, back in person, um, having had, a, I think, another eight weeks at home online and, and all of the online at the end of last, year, last school year. Um, fr from the pandemic's perspective, how did that affect your programs and services that you deliver, that your organisation delivers? March 13th, I'll never forget, it's March 13th, 2020, two o'clock in the afternoon, we, we got the official word that schools were closing due to the pandemic. Um, and because we are in a school board space, our offices were closing as well. This profoundly impacted the mission and the work that we did. Um, all of a sudden, 220,000 children that we were supporting through school-based uh, breakfast, snack and lunch programs, no longer had access to those programs. The 1,500 children that were in after-school programs, keeping them safe after school, no longer had access to those programs. The children that were receiving their eyeglasses and, and pediatric exams no longer had access to those services because all of our services are delivered through the school system because it's the easiest gateway to reach the most number of children. Mm -hmm. Very quickly, it became apparent it wasn't just the children and, and educations in school that were impacted. With the closings of schools came closings of businesses, closed shuttering of restaurants, stores. Families quickly were thrown out of, uh, thrown into situations of, of, of extreme financial challenge. Parents lost their jobs abruptly. And the, the, the added stress, particularly in, in our least affluent communities, um, our new Canadian communities, and a lot of our more working, working class communities added enormous financial stress that immediately was translated throughout the family from the parents to the children. And we've heard from around the world, this is not unique to Canada, Toronto, issues of food insecurity doubled overnight. Families that were making ends meet and carrying on were plunged into poverty. 
Um, there was a huge delay in uh, the federal efforts for um, emergency relief um, support for families. And this caused enormous stress. And we realized uh, that our mission was to support these kids. And we had to figure new and innovative ways, particularly around the issue of food security, to ensure that these children and these youth and these teenagers had the healthy food they needed so that they could they could actually participate with their new online learning. That's when we approached KPMG. And and Catherine, just, just going back to that day, March 13 last year, when you uh, were thinking through some of these new ways that you had to uh, shift your, you know, your work towards to in order to deliver these programs and services. Were you already thinking about that, you know, over the previous period of time, or was it on that day everything changed, and then you had to begin the process of thinking about thinking about how you deliver these services, or were you already thinking about this anyway? And COVID accelerated some of those. I will be honest with you, Martin. Yes. We never anticipated or planned for a global pandemic. I don't think anybody did. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to pretend that we had a plan for that. But what, what I will say that we were in a really um, serendipitous position. We had begun in a very um, modest way to explore our options for digital transformation. Um, mm. We had we had, had a couple of um, workshops and seminars uh, led by KPMG. And um, a wonderful member of our board, um, Ian Gilmore, who is an associate mm -hmm. partner. Excellent. And to begin to explore how digital transformation um, can support our mission and how we could increase our efficiency and in information sharing so that we could have even better metrics and even in more efficiency. So we had gone through two um, preliminary workshops and, and we're, we're very hesitantly dipping our, our toes in the water as we speak. COVID changed all of that. On, on the Tuesday, the following week, I, I called in and I said, we need help. We have 220,000 children that aren't having access uh, to their food. We need to get some food to them. We want to mail uh, grocery gift cards to families to ensure that, that they have access to the healthy food they need but we don't know how to do this. It, we went from cautiously considering um, a measured way forward to the development of an emergency response program full on. I'm so grateful that a number of KPMG volunteers came forward to help us. Ian assembled a team of some incredibly bright individuals, uh, vol all volunteers to help us manage an online registration process, uh, a quality control process, uh, a mailing process. And within, I, I'm really, really amazed to say within 10 days, we were mailing out grocery cards to, to children at risk in, in the city. So we dove into digital transformation in a totally unplanned way. And as um, if you can imagine implementing an emergency program for an unprecedented pandemic remotely from home, basically yeah. using email is where we started. Um, but within a couple of weeks, we were engaged in this massive transformation. And Catherine, from your perspective as uh, you know the CEO of the organisation, and having to lead the organisation into this in, into this new way of working. What strategies 
did you take forward to make that change, to bring your stuff along and to get everything up and running and digital? I think in the philanthropic sector, the not-for-profit sector, the majority of our uh, organizations in our sector have unique workforces. Our, mm -hmm. our staff believe in the mission of our organization. Uh, our, our staff are motivated more um, more by the meaning and the cause and the children. They immediately realized what this meant for the children we serve here in Toronto. So it wasn't a matter of leading this change or, or change leadership. It yep. was more a matter of figuring out what tools would enable an incredibly dedicated team to continue to provide the supports. And I, I, I know that when we were engaged in, in the beginning, it was very difficult. Uh, we were communicating via email. We were not comfortable with video conferencing. We, we weren't using shared workspaces in a consistent way. So that learning curve was quite uh, a challenge. But the leadership is not a problem if your staff are eagerly embracing the change to make their jobs easier. Now, I will say my team worked 12 and 15 hours a day, seven days a week for yeah. the first three months of the pandemic to make this change. It was tough. There was yeah. a burnout factor. But at the same time, given the urgency of the need, they stepped up. So it wasn't a matter of leading the change. It was facilitating the change and finding the tools that would allow the team to do the work that they knew they needed to do. And and as a result of the change to the way you, that you work, you have been able to keep delivering on those services and programs, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. So here in Toronto, we have gone through phases of school closure, school reopening, mm -hmm. and having to pivot our services um, each and every time. We've gone through those at least three cycles of that so far. We've introduced online uh, versions of our after-school programming. We've pivoted between virtual, supporting virtual learners that are learning remotely, uh, nutritionally supporting those students, and as well as the ones in school. We've rejigged our vision programs, our emergency funds, every single aspect. And, and what the biggest win and the biggest success is, the work we did um, with KPMG and are continuing to do on our digital transformation has made this process so much easier. Can, can you can you provide an example or two of how it's become easier for you and your team? We now have all of our student nutrition program data for all 568 school-based programs, 220,000 children in one common database system. Yep. We are using... Um, the Microsoft uh, 365 um, yes. package, uh, yep. Teams, um, SharePoint, OneNote, all of these tools were new to TFSS and it's allowed us to work remotely and to collaborate in a much more effective way. I mean, we were using Google Docs, we were using a patchwork of different things, but we now have all of our, our data uh, accessible by multi-users in one place mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. in an information design um, model that is easy, intuitive, and user-friendly. And I can't begin to tell you, when we were working with Ian and the team in the, the next phase of our digital transformation, they, you know, the question of, oh, we have to you know, be careful about change management, introduce it to the team, make sure they don't burn out, all of these things which were really real, 
And I said to I said to Ian Gilmore at the time, Ian, don't worry about that. The team is going to love this. They're going to grab it with both hands. And I, I think he had his doubts because traditionally change is a difficult thing. Yes. With the introduction of the digital transformation, particularly the CDS and, and the consolidation of our information, within 10 days, team was fully involved, fully using it, excited and asking for more because it was a tool that made their jobs easier. It was a tool that allowed them to deliver more services. Um, they didn't just welcome it. They embraced it and, and just ran with it. And considering that um, this pandemic is still ongoing uh, and is likely to keep going for a little while longer, unfortunately, what advice would you give to other organisations, either contemplating this or at the beginning of their journey towards, you know, a, a digital environment in order to assist them deliver their services? Do you, do you have any advice for them? I think the pandemic has taught us one thing in our whole sector, and that is we cannot plan for every eventuality. But yeah. what we've learned is that flexibility, nimbleness, the nimbleness to pivot, to refocus and the tools to, um, to do that, to make that successful are so critical. You know, in the, in the philanthropic sector, we often uh, don't want to invest in uh, major outlays um, like digital transformation because we are always thinking about programs on the ground helping children. But yep. when, what, what people really have to think about is how much more help you can give our clients and, and the people we serve if we do it effectively. And if we have the tools that allow for that nimbleness and flexibility, then we will continue to offer the services that are so urgently needed. Every social organization in our, in our sector right now, in, our, in the philanthropic sector, is seeing the need double. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. We have people that are dedicated and have passion and that care deeply about what they do. It's tremendous meaning, maybe not the highest paychecks in, in, in the world, but there is a huge meaning. But all of that passion and all of that meaning without giving them the tools and giving, the, them the, the, giving your organization the tools that allows for the flexibility, we will not be able to adequately serve the people and, and fulfill our missions. So investing in digital transformation, although it is um, it is a significant undertaking. The pandemic and COVID and opening and closing and lockdowns and unlockdowns and reopenings has shown us that we must be flexible. And there has been um, a huge outlay of money from the federal governments, and provincial governments, and municipal governments. Governments are relying on our sector to reach the people that need the help the most because governments don't move that quickly on the ground. We're here on the ground. But to serve these people, we need to be nimble. And nimbleness requires the tools. And I would encourage everyone, to the extent with which they can, yeah, to yeah. move into um, a more uh, effective digital uh, service delivery model. And it's not about losing staff. It's not about cutting jobs. What it is about is increasing frontline service. The less time spending on data management and data duplication and searching for information, the less time we're spending with the people we serve. Mm -hmm. So if we want to inc increase um, our service levels and respond to a greater need, let's take some of the backbreaking work out of our organizations 
make it more uh, digital savvy and, and, and ensure that we have the flexible um, nimbleness to respond to these unexpected surges and needs, because that's what we do. That's why we're here. We're, we're not making widgets. Um, we're helping people. And we need to not forget that the, the, the back end of our organizations only allows us to do more and stretch our dollars further and support our uh, clients better. You shouldn't do transformation with the primary objective of cost efficiency or cost cutting. It's, it's always about delivering more services. And, and as a byproduct, you might get efficiencies, but the main goal is to make sure that you're delivering to your clients in the best possible way. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and listening to the success that your organisation has had uh, transferring or transforming into a digital environment. Thanks so much, Martin. I also want to provide a special shout out to Ian Gilmore. Ian is a legend around uh, the offices of KPMG here, uh, and he has a deep personal knowledge of this space, but also experience, which I think is very, very important. He's also passionate about digital transformation. And so if anybody wants further information, please feel free to reach out to myself or Ian. Uh, we can assist you in any way, shape or form. Uh, happy to talk to anybody. And I hope everybody stays well and safe and we'll speak to you all soon.